Hello adventurers and welcome back to Commune, the DM's Essentials Kit. My name is Alec and I'm going to be your DM for the evening. Today I sit down and chat with Skylar, a D&D TikTok creator, musician, and a Twitch streamer. We're going to talk about compelling villains, Skylar's new project in Megastar 7, and settings in tabletop RPG games. So sit back, relax, and I hope that you enjoy this episode of Commune. Welcome back. My name is Alec. You're listening to the Commune Podcast, and uh, I'm sitting here with Skylar. I'm happy to be here. How's it going, my friend? Uh, it's it's going. It's uh it's a beautiful day here in the uh, the dirty state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> and just uh, dirty state of Pennsylvania. It's like it's like Kentucky and uh, and New York rolled into one place. That does indeed sound like a dirty, dastardly mix. There's a nickname in uh, where I'm from where it's called Pennsylvania, and it's because we all drink Yingling down here. <laughs> I don't know what Yingling is. The oldest beer in America. Oh, oldest don't... syndicated beer. I am. Uh, I'm a cheesehead. I'm from Wisconsin, so okay. We take right. beer quite seriously here. Yeah, in Lancaster, where I'm from. Um, there's a huge thing here where like liquor licenses are super expensive. So um, yeah, everyone has limited distilleries. So yeah, you can brew your own beer or sell locally brewed beer. So in, in my, in my hometown city, uh, craft brewing is a really big thing because liquor licenses are too expensive to afford. Oh man. So, this is no longer a D and D podcast. We're going to be talking yeah. <laughs> about distilleries, brewing and beer the rest of the hour. That's a good thing you can add into your, uh, into your D and D worlds though. Uh, that's, that's a really cool little niche you could put for, uh, for a town. We do. We do make the, uh, the monthly commune homebrews wink, plug, wink, plug. There you go. There you um, go. So we are here to talk about D&D. If you want to introduce yourself to the people and uh, kind of let them know what you do, my friend. Okay. So uh, my name is Skylar. Uh, I go by Sky on TikTok, but I, I do. My name is Skylar. Um, I'm, I'm a musician. And uh, so I am, I've been playing music since uh, I was, well, since I was a kid, but I've been playing in bands since I was about uh, 18, 17, 18. And I played a lot of like indie bands. Then I moved into metal music and I, uh, I was playing guitar at the time, but now I became a vocalist, which is kind of uh, my vocal. My vocals were always very like I didn't really write about specific things. It was more like uh, scene dressing and like pretty poetic things. And uh, I kind of went from metal to like a weird 80s pop music and metal in one. And then it kind of just became like I just always try to break the mold. But uh so I'm a musician, and uh, I actually started playing D&D when I was uh, 24, uh, 27 now. And um, I was 24, the drummer of my one band. I always knew about it, obviously, like most people do. But um, he was like, you should come play with me, because uh, I always wanted to. And uh, he ended up bringing me over. I had a bard, and I, had, I didn't have a name yet, so I just, his name was Sky. And he never got a name, because he died within three sessions. Oh, no. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to front line, and uh, we had we had we had, we had the basis of my band playing, and he has even less experience in this kind of stuff. He's actually part of my podcast, 
but uh, he was playing a fighter and he was hiding behind a wall fighting a single orc. And then I got cut in half because I was trying to get this over with. So, um, but it, ever since then, I, uh, I took what I learned from music and lyric writing. And uh, cause like I was a player for about two months and then I started DMing my own games and uh, I did it about two times a week. Uh, and then I, I played in another person's game online because most of the games I play are in person. Um, but yeah, so about, I always, th- I tell people it's only been three years and they're like, but you do all these videos. And I'm like, well, it's not about how long you've been playing. It's just how much you've, how much you've played in that time. Yeah. I th- and I think I've talked to a couple people where, you know, artistry of a certain kind was their first foray into D and D. So like a good buddy of mine, Jack, is a writer for trade. And that had, you know, thrust him into the world of becoming a dungeon master, crafting his own worlds and, and building in-game narratives that I'm playing in a campaign with him now as a player. And and it fucking shows. Like the the way that he's able to write and weave our characters into the worlds he creates, it, it's amazing. What kind of skills do you think music has given you to do the same thing for D&D? Um. You know, it's it's probably something you're not like, it's not going to be like the expected answer. Um, in music, I always took a very managerial role as a musician. And uh, that's kept me um, trying to, A, include everyone. Because when you're in a band or you're at a job, everyone wants to feel like they're pulling some kind of weight. So I always try to focus on making sure everyone feels like they're part of something. And the pizza parties, you know what I mean? And then um, try, 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 to, try to get everyone in. And then I always had like very goal focused. So like the players have to do A so that, that, that we can do B. So we can't get to B if there's no A. And uh, so it's that, a mixture of that. And, uh, you know, songs, no matter what they're about, are like miniature books. You know, it's, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. They build in different stories so like you know you i've always said you can find inspiration anywhere if you're willing to look hard enough no that's true that's true and i think that's a, i i never like giving the the expected answer right being like oh yeah you know uh i i like to read books so i take what i like from that book and put it into story it, it's taking something kind of out of the box, like my managerial skills with music, like you said, and, and kind of implementing it in a more practical way into other aspects of your life that I think that's going to bear some more fruit, you know, like you're absolutely, I mean, life is what you get out of it. So, uh, you know, every single day I try to live, like I'm learning something, no matter how small it could be. Cause anything you learn can be used at some point. You know what I mean? I mean, think about all the math in school you learned. You could easily turn that into a D and D puzzle if you were, if you could remember far enough. <laughs> it's true. I, math is a horrible example. I was, I was <laughs> not a math student. Um, <laughs> I was always an English student. Don't worry. Oh, oh yeah. I, I sat in the drawing and painting room in my high school every day. I have, I have no <laughs> physically artistic abilities. You know, D and D. The reason I've stuck with it's because, like what you said about having writing stories. I. Uh, <laughs> I always wanted to be able to write a novel and I've started never got past the first chapter because it's uh it's the character development. That's always the hardest part. And uh, I've always thought at least building a world's easy. If you have enough time or enough reactivity that you can just kind of bounce ideas off constantly, but the players, they have their own miniature stories in their heads for their characters. So they can fill all that in. So 
that's the reason I kept doing it because I finally got that like that tinge of like what I was looking to get out of writing a novel I get in D&D. Well, and that's stuff you can even pull from D&D and bring it Absolutely. into your other your other creative avenues, you know, because I think there's something about like D&D is such is such a groupthink process. Like we're Absolutely. all sitting at a table trying to build whether you're playing a mechanics-based game, you're trying to build the, you know, the coolest most optimal build to have the greatest and most optimal encounters or on the other end of the spectrum you're trying to have some of the most you know uh grandiose and and meaningful story moments and i think that those are things that you can bring especially into something like creative writing or you know world building in other avenues i 100 percent agree i mean you have to tell me so i mean i i, I listen to your podcast a little bit well i uh, you know, since I started TikTok, I found, you know, you were one of my first followers. So I like, I definitely was like, I got to check this guy's podcast out. So, but like, you know, I, so I kind of have, I still want to ask you questions though, you know, I know most of the answers because I listen to the podcast, but uh, you have to tell me uh, where, you know, where did it all start for you? So like a lot of people, I think in the, in this interesting age of D&D Renaissance, uh, my, my first big foray was Critical Role. So, so seeing that group of friends that I saw a reflection of my group of friends, you know, where it's like the, the, the rapport that they have with each other, the relationship that they, that just exudes from everybody is something I felt that I had. So I had a, I had a group of friends that I was like, Hey, let's, let's give it a shot. I had never played a lick of D and D and I jumped straight into dungeon mastering. So you gotta I, start somewhere. <laughs> you do indeed. Um, so I, I was like, yeah, you know, we used to to write comics and 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 stories as kids all the time. This this isn't going to be much different. I did find out over time, it's a hell of a lot harder than that. It can be. I mean, I always said like the uh, the one thing that matters though is that everyone's having fun. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, like yeah, people get mad about that. I play with all. I play with a whole assortment of people, and I play with people who are younger than me. I play with people who are twice my age, uh, and you know everyone has a different place. Like it's what you get out of it. So what you want to get out of it. And, you know, I, I have literally left, I have left groups that I was part of because I, I was just like, I'm not getting it. Maybe it's just me. You know what I mean? So that well, and, and cause that was, that was, yeah, like five years ago. So, so I've been playing for five years and, and the skills that I've cultivated and learning that, that you're exactly right. Like it's for me, it's better to, to not play than to play in a toxic or, they're in for uninteresting or unfun uh, in-game situation. Like I would, I would very much rather not play than be forced to sit at a table that I don't want to be at. You yeah, know? I, I feel that. I mean, I, I might be the outlier in D and D because, uh, like, for like this Renaissance, because like, not that I'm, it's uh, I, I like Critical Role. I've watched a yeah. couple episodes, but I is not what I got. It's not what like locked me in because what locked uh, you in. What locked you in, Skyler? Well, like I said, when I like when I played, I just really liked the. Uh, I really liked that I was able to, you know, be creative. It, yeah. I like what the only things I care about doing is. I think like this goes for anybody. You can be a woodworker. You can be. You can work on cars. You can work on anything, but. It's to get like what's inside of you out into something. And, oh, for like, sure. For so sure. So I got that from this. So, you know, critical role, you know, I love that, but um, I don't really listen to too many D&D &D podcasts. I, I, I have a couple that I really like, but um, 
I only listen to them to, to learn the rules. Like when I, when I play a different system, I'll watch a podcast played in that system so I could, you know, get the rules and like the, uh, the kind of makeup of, of like, cause I, I think like, there's like, it's almost like an unwritten language in D and D is like, uh, you know, it's like tropes and like uh, meta that like you want to know before you play. Cause like, so one of my favorite uh, systems is the star Wars role-playing game, which eventually became Genesis. But um, I listened to it. I listened to a, a, a podcast called campaign and uh, it's a fantastic, uh, they're all voice at, they're not voice. They're, they're, they're uh, improv. Two of the guys are improv people and other people, they do the one shot network and stuff. And um it's just it's just Star Wars, and they're really funny. But like, I learned a lot about the game before I even was able. Like, well, actually, I played before that, but I really wanted to start running my own game. So I was like, "What is the meta that I'm missing?" Because like in D and D, you learn about like all like the horny bard is like the most famous of all the tropes. <laughs> but like, yeah. um, I you know going edgy in rogue and the, edgy rogue, you know, yeah, the like studious and, wizard, and yeah. Yeah, and like that, 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 that's one of the reasons why I don't listen to podcasts because I feel like you kind of get like veered off the actual game. Um, yeah. So, like, one of my favorite, one of my, probably my favorite system is Call of Cthulhu. Oh, and um, I'm so, I, I have yet to play it. I, it's I've fantastic. Done so much and deep dive into a, it, and I'm like, I need it. I need it. It's really, it's a really cool system. But like, when you look up the meta, most people will tell you that you're supposed to die in the game and that's just not true i mean sandy peterson helped build another version of call of cthulhu called pulp cthulhu which is like indiana jones which is like that's probably my favorite part of the my favorite system is pulp cthulhu and the idea is like but so many people have been turned away from the game because they listened to a podcast or they read the meta and it's like so I always tell people to like take most podcasts with a grain of salt. Like one of my favorite podcasts, and I'll say it's one of my favorites before I even get into it, The Adventure Zone. I love I love The Adventure Zone. However, if you listen to The Adventure Zone and expect your D&D game to go like that, it's or you you watch Top Chef and you think that like you can make a souffle. Sure, yeah. That's a really good point to touch on where it's like, it, it's the idea of the Matt Mercer effect, right? Or Matt Mercer effect. You, you yep. jump, you jump into, into tabletop role-playing media and you think, Oh shit, this is what it's like. Okay, great. I'm just, gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to get my group of friends and it's going to go this perfectly the entire time. But I, and I, and it doesn't, it just, if you're a new DM out there and, and you think that you need to break yourself out of that narrative so quickly and just so directly because it caused so much anxiety for me as a dungeon master and so much self-doubt that could have been like avoided or subverted if I sat down, read the DM's guide, read the player's handbook and understood what I was getting into, you know? Yeah, I mean, I just did a video uh, on TikTok called Expectations Versus Reality. And uh, the whole thing bases around like, I don't call it the Matt Mercer effect because I don't think of it like I, I, that is the name for it. I just never, I never made that connection, but um, it's a, it's a great way to look at it. Like everyone listens to critical role, like the biggest, the flagship D and D entertainment. And uh, they're like, this is what D and D is. And then, you know, it, and you go and expecting like all these tropes from the game, from, from this thing to happen in your games. And like, it will just turn people away. And uh, it's, 
I've always thought that D&D is not just a good storytelling tool, but it's a great tool for your, your personal character development. Like I've had friends, I've had friends who use D&D to uh, come out as like a different, like, you know, personally, they were of a different sexuality and they, they kind of explored those waters with D&D before coming out to, uh, to all of us. And, you know, they had, they had, they got turned away. They would, they would have missed, a, they would have missed out on this like really cool way to like explore personalities in yourself that you you feel uncomfortable doing for real you know I, what i mean so yeah i'm a i i've said it before i said it last season but i am a i am a huge proponent of the idea that D makes you more empathetic you 100%. you are stepping out of your own shoes to even as a dm or a player like if you're playing you know your character is going to experience things that's going to test their resolve their moral center and and shape the way that they perceive the world around them and you can take that from the game and and just implement it into your own life and and i think it's just easier to understand people you know and it, it's easier oh, to empathize and be like oh shit okay i kind of get it a little more but you you mentioned your tiktok i i discovered you on tiktok from your your dm tip videos yeah <laughs> and, and those are some of the most well constructed and concise dm tip videos that i think i've seen and i think that's what drew me to following you and then like following your podcast which we will get into and and your kind of endeavors as a creator how did that get started for you okay so i i i i figured you were going to ask this question i want to give you a really the best answer i can give you so first i'm going to start by plugging a ch- the guy that taught me everything so i have two people i have a friend a real friend his name is george he taught me and he's younger and he's played just the same amount of time that I have, but he is, he taught me how to be reactive. So you're a ref. I look at DMing like you're a referee and uh, you let them do what they want to do. And you try to like make the world flow in between their decisions. But I took him and then there's a, there's a guy who's named guy. His, uh, his, his channel is called how to be a great GM on YouTube. Oh yes, 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 and, yes, yes. Uh, I've, I've seen him. I've seen so him. So he and I don't know this guy personally. So, I, so he taught me everything that I know when I started DMing because I have watched all of his videos. And so a lot of the advice you hear from me, it's not ripped off from them, but it's an amalgam of my friend George, what I've learned, and what Guy says. And I take it and I'm like, I believe when I got into TikTok, I just made funny Skyrim videos because I thought that was such a such a meme thing to start with but uh i always said you know the thing the thing with how to be a great gm is that it's a youtube uh show which means that the episodes are anywhere from 10 to an hour long and not everyone's got that and honestly it's 20 minutes and it's but like the the answers in the first two minutes so you know exactly like it's question to answer i was like what is the question and i'm trying to think of like like the rule of three which is one of my most popular videos was that's a storytelling thing that's not even like that's the rule of three because i because like because i've sat in there in a game and i watched the dm describe something for about 10 minutes and i was like just three things because like let 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 like when you read a book i mean except for tolkien you know uh it's usually about a paragraph of uh description and then you fill in the rest with your brain so everyone has a different idea of what like the King Killer, the King Killer Chronicles. I think everyone has a different idea of what the uh, that setting looks like because it's described very uh, 
poetically versus like descriptively. So going back to the original question is where did I get this inspiration? It's because I have a million questions or I had a million questions and I spent about 24 hours of real time trying to like learn versus where like all the questions I had could have been answered with a single one minute video. And, you know, I, I looked through TikTok. I couldn't find anyone doing the same thing at that level. I made that first video, which I can't remember what it was, but uh, that got a really, that was the first video that got really good reaction. So I just kept making more and that's kind of, um, you know, I just, I, I had a reservoir in my head of all these tips that I could tell people. And then I ran dry eventually, which is why I kind of went away and came back when I had more. And because that's because I started doing my podcast. And I, I learned more questions as I was going. And I was like, that would be a really good thing. Or maybe I should tell people about that. And, um, but yeah, so the, like the reason I started doing it was because uh, I just, I had a lot to say and I like the one minute format because uh, you learn a lot in one minute if it's uh, if it's good story, if it's, if it's good teaching. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think it's something similar with me for like starting commute. Like, I don't think that this podcast is a, is an end all be all of learning all of the rules for D and D. Like, like, I just want, I just want to share experiences with other DMS and other game masters and, and hopefully someone can take a nugget from that and, and implement it into how they play. I think that there are a lot of people in the D and D and tabletop role-playing game community uh, that are, you know, unconventional people, like a lot of us are trying to oh, yeah. learn this game the conventional way. And I don't think that necessarily works all of the time. It didn't work for me you know, having to sit down and try and read the books. Like I got it, but I, it, it was always. Oh, I can't, I have all of them. <laughs> it was always a I little... have every single one. And I'm like, I just flipped through. Like when I'm picking monster, look, this one looks scary. I'm going to use I, this. <laughs> I am a right-brained individual. I, yeah, I, for sure. I learned through doing, I learned through visualizing. So uh, a way that is, is easy for me is hearing people talk about it. So videos like your DM tips or, or like Matt Mercer's GM tips or how to be a great GM. All of those things were influences in me of like being, okay, I want to have this conversation with that person and then build off and, and, and take those tips and tricks and ideas and, and put it in a resource. that's like, okay, listen, take what you want and, and, and you'll be going. I have definitely think that you learn more from a conversation that you do in it than you do in a book. 100%. You know what I mean? Like, 100%. Because there's things that stick out to you that people say, and uh, I'm like, I'll never forget the one time I made a, I made a video uh, to, on to like a GM 101. And I just made the point because, all right, so my biggest, my biggest, um, my biggest thing that I do as a, D, as a GM is try to make the villains. I try to make the best kind of villains. And that, that comes from my love for Ghibli movies because the villains in a Ghibli movie, you don't really tell, you really can't tell they're villains. Like, uh, for example, I I'm terrible with the names, but the bad guy in uh, Mononoke, she, uh, she, you know, she did bad things by cutting down the forest, but she also protected leopards, prostitutes, you know, that does, that makes she's, a good, she's villain. a very morally gray character. Yeah. So, and, um, but I, I just once said one thing about like, like if you want to have like a cra like you want to have a crazy person, you want to, you want to bring up the stakes. I used, I used Thanos, as a good example in the movies, not so much the comic books. I'm not a huge comic book guy. I like superheroes, but uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't have the attention span for comics, but um, <laughs> I'd rather watch it. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> but fine. um, 
I just said, like, you know, you can tell how crazy Thanos is, is because, uh, you know, he could he he could have just made double of everything, but he got rid of half of the people. <laughs> yeah, that's and yeah. like like I feel like he, after saying that because that wasn't scripted, I just said that and I was like, oh I thought God. to myself like that's a really that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I just played through uh, Borderlands two with some friends. Oh, Jack's a great one. handsome Jack is probably one of the most dynamic and and interesting villains that I've come across because he truly believes that he is the hero. No matter no matter what he's done or or who he hurts, he is the good guy. And I think that idea that like conviction and and a strong moral standard, whether you are right or wrong, it, it is an interesting character model, you know. And, oh, and it is something that that can be truly intimidating. You brought up your your podcast. Let me let me know a little bit about that, buddy. Get into okay. That. So what do you what do you what do you want to know? Because there's like there's a lot. Of, so. <laughs> I'll start with this. Um, it is a podcast coming out in September. Um, it's a space opera. It's like, it's Star Wars, but I tried to explain all like the magical elements with like science, but not midichlorians. Thank God. So, Thank God. Um, for example, and I, like I said, like I'll, I'll get a little bit of meta here because the players aren't here with me right now. Uh, so I can, I can get a little crazy with it. It uh, is a no earth setting, which means like, uh, so there's no earth or if there was it's so long ago that it's not thing anymore like it's not even myth it's like it's gone like so that's very star wars and you know going into sci-fi i believe that there is the only way to make sci-fi feel like fantasy is to get rid of earth that's the only way you can't make you can't bring earth into it or it becomes because earth is the grounding factor so any kind of fantasy story if you bring in Earth, it's it grounds the, Earth it. is the straight man. Yeah, it's it's the, it's the anchor yeah. that pulls you back to reality. Yep. Like, uh, you know, every time I see a year, like The Witcher is a great example. Like The Witcher has years, but it's set in a different world. But it's The Witcher or like, uh, I'm trying to think, anytime that fantasy gets pulled back into reality with time and dates, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. it throws me out of the fantasy, brings me into the science fiction or the fantasy fiction. Sure. Um, where it's not high fantasy anymore so going yeah. back this world uh it takes place it's based off a of call of cthulhu game i made oh, nice. uh i tried to play it and it's based or it, that like that game was based around a group of explorers called the cartographers and this is meta so if you're listening uh you might not want to listen to this next part but <laughs> uh so a long time ago um they there was a there was like everyone in the galaxy would make these big ships arcs and they would send people out into the universe and uh, they would stop at like these star systems and then they would colonize that star system they would then open the stars they would open that arc it would turn into a gateway goes through ether space which is not even it's trans-dimensional travel and uh, basically that went on for like generations so like there's the entire galaxy got mapped out that way and then what? And then cartographers would go and explore into these rifts and find. They would like catalog everything after they after places were colonized. Eventually, something bad. They found something bad, and the only way, the only way to stop it, was to blow that to blow that gateway, and just stop the stop it from getting anywhere. So what happened was they blew the gateway into 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 a place into the setting of this of this game 
called the seven systems and the seven systems were left alone for like 10,000 years. So any, any kind of history has become myth. And uh, so, and on top of that, because they blew a gateway, they tore like these rifts into the ether dimension everywhere. So like everyone in the seven systems has the ability to uh, alter ether, alter ether if they train themselves to do so. So it's like Jedi, you know, like they are able to mess with the fabric of reality when they are. So the best way to do so, the easiest way to do so is to take a drug in the game called Silt. Silt is Ethereum, which is a transdimensional energy that's been ground up into a power. It's been like refined into a drug and you take it and you're able like for a for a split for a moment you can like maybe like move a cup or like shut a door like thaumaturgy you know what i mean yeah so then it's kind of like people... uh red therium or red lyrium from uh, yes dragon exactly exactly and uh so there's that which is a very high a very a high profile drug in omega star which is the name of omega star seven um but another way and that's not the play that's not even on the player's radar yet is the fact that some people and will actually get transfusions with Ethereum. And it's going going back to Dragon Age, it's inspired by the ritual for Grey Wardens. You have to like drink, you have to drink Ethereum. And if you survive, you can produce it on your own. So um, mechanically, so in Genesis, Genesis is a system that's very open-ended. Uh, it's a very, it's a yeah, very. I'm, abstract. I'm not for is so Genesis is the game system. Yes, if I had, I don't have my dice down. Maybe I do. Whatever. Uh, it's it's proprietary dice, so it's based off the Star Wars role playing game. It's uh, it's Fantasy Flight. They people like Star Wars so much that they ended up wanting like their own world. So Genesis is basically think of it like a self help book to make your own worlds, and then they give you rules on how to create stuff. So. It's apt. It's very abstract. Um, they use proprietary dice. It's uh, in it's they're all colored. It's um, the good dice are yellow, green, and blue. Yellow, being proficiencies. Green is uh, just flat ability dice, and blues are advantages, known as boost dice. So, all of the, all of your skills are based off of your attributes. So let's say your athletics is based off your brawn, and your brawn is four. So you have four green dice, right? Four green dice because you're a, because the ability, the attribute uh, tied to that skill is uh, brawn. So you're four brawn, four green. Then you put ranks. So you can have up to four ranks, which add yellow dice. So you take out a green, add a yellow. So every green can be replaced by yellows if you spend experience points on those skills. And then any kind of auxiliary thing happening like maybe you have a friend, like you're trying to push open a door with your athletics, but your friend's helping you. That's a blue. So you, so you have greens, yellow, blue, and then you roll them. So not, all the things on that dice are good, no matter what. You either have nothing or good stuff. Then you have purple die, which are difficulty, one through five, one being easy, five being almost impossible. Uh, you have black dice, which is disadvantages, like maybe someone on the other side of the door is pushing against you that's a black and then you have red dice which are like really bad and basically you roll all of them together the big number and then 
there are symbols on the dice that cancel each other out. And that's pretty much it. Uh, then you, the, so that goes back to a different video I made on TikTok called Varying Levels of, of Success. Because in Genesis, you can, fail a, you can fail a check, but you can still have advantages left over. Because on the dice, it's not just successes. It's successes and advantages. So you might not succeed in something, but you might, you, might, you might fail, but you'll have advantages that you can spend on other stuff. Try to break the door open, but you didn't succeed, but you got an advantage. Now the other, so you can spend, maybe someone's trying to get to you, but you've lodged the door with that advantage. So you don't break it open, but they can't get to you. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a varying level of success. And that's why in D&D, to pull us back to the actual podcast, um, I said once that, uh, you know, proficiencies in D&D, you can reward them easier by saying, uh, if you're proficient in a skill and you get a natural 20, that's when you should have some kind of crazy critical success. But if you're not proficient, then it shouldn't count. Like it, like you could still have some kind of, you, you still succeed, but you don't get the auxiliary craziness. You know what I mean? Because you're not proficient in the skill. Stuff like that and failures you know if you're proficient and you get a crit failure but you're proficient you shouldn't get punished for it yeah you know what i mean so like you can because that you want to you want to kind of nurture your player's character creation and so it's a long story short is uh genesis uh and omega star seven um i pretty much just uh, you just add rules you just kind of take rules so for example Ether powers, if you want to use one, you take a drug, you get addicted to the drug, you get blue dice, but then you get black dice immediately after because you're going through sure. instant withdrawal. Yeah. And then you take strain damage, which is like mental damage versus physical damage. And there's a lot that you can play. Oh, okay. With. So that's kinda of, that's kind of like the fate system where you have like your, exactly. your physical uh will but or your physical stress boxes and your uh your exactly. will stress boxes. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, long story short, is the reason we chose Genesis is a couple reasons. A, D and D has been overused for podcasts. No offense to anyone using D and D for their podcast. You know, if you're doing that, that's great. Uh, I would send send me your podcast. I'll listen. But um, I, I didn't want to do something that was already super saturated. And then B, you know, when you homebrew stuff, you run the risk of pissing listeners off. However, Genesis is grounded in the fact that you're supposed to homebrew stuff and use the rules they give you to homebrew, which is why it creates a very, a very um, interesting um, like uh, listening because you're saying like how far can you take rules, and you get like that you get like an extra layer of like creativity because you have to like rule things really quickly. You have to be like. Two sex, two successes, one one threat. Uh, so this happens. You know, you have to be quick on your feet, and uh, that's pretty much it. That's like we just really want to do a space opera. It's a fan. It's, it's not. It's not done enough, and um, it's it's also my personal favorite um, setting for anything. My favorite, my favorite media of all time is Mass Effect, and um, Mass Effect, Alien, Star Wars. I mean, Alien's pretty grounded in the fact that Earth exists, and same with Mass Effect, but, like, those fantasy Lovecraftian tropes that are in Alien and Mass Effect, those kind of things 
is what like I really like. And this first arc we're doing for Omega Star 7 starts off really funny and then it becomes like a horror movie. Yeah. Really yeah. quick. And I'm really excited about it. Like I'm hyped for that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think and especially we've kind of touched a couple of times during this conversation of like the idea of uh D, the D renaissance more specifically like the tabletop role-playing game renaissance as a whole yeah. uh you know fantasy settings have been at the forefront of that there have not been a lot of really jump because you know there's starfinder and there's call of cthulhu there's the um was it star wars fall of empire or something? uh edge of the empire edge of empire thank you yeah that's uh, where, that, that's the that's that's the genesis system yeah where there yep. are so many different like avenues of of setting that that are just kind of left unexplored because D is just taking the forefront of it you know i'll tell you um i actually i chris christian who plays uh um Jin in uh yeah. r7 i was talking to him about this the other day i have a theory on why sci-fi hasn't taken off like fantasy and it's because of this it's fucking tolkien no it's just uh yeah. <laughs> a fucking Tolkien. Fucking god damn it. Uh, no. Uh, J.R. Tolkien, he um he created a mythology so recognized yeah. that uh you can it was so interesting back in I mean I wasn't there, but uh you know he created a very interesting thing for people that they weren't used to because they had you know, fae oriented stories for mm-hmm. millions of years. But uh, when Tolkien popularized it in the 30s and 40s and 50s, yeah, it created a baseline forever. Like yeah. elves, orcs, dwarves, there's a baseline that everyone will recognize for, I, I honestly think when we all die and we're like a past, like, 20,000 years from now, they're going to look at Tolkien's books and be like, this is mythology. Right. Because like, right. we all, I know people who know Elvish. I know people who know Elvish. That know the language Elvish? They know Elvish, yes. Uh, because because Tolkien wrote those books only to make sense for his, because he wrote a language. Yeah. And the, re, the way language works is, you know, there's words that in English that are based off of gods and tropes and things. So he had, yeah. he wanted to write an Elvish word that's based off a god that he hasn't created yet. He ended up writing a book just to make sense of his language. It's incredible. So he created a baseline that's forever recognized. And it's so in-depth. The only similarity that we have is Star Wars. And the problem, Star Wars and Star Trek, depending on what kind of space fantasy you want, um, space fantasy or science fiction. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, but both of those things, um, I honestly think they aren't good enough to hold up forever. Like Star sure. Star Wars is fantastic, but think of any single fantasy book that's come out since The Hobbit. Yeah, you can draw it right back to Tolkien. D and D, draw it right back to Tolkien. The thing is is that we it's so easy for us to just make up our own stories in our heads with in in fantasy like look at Eberron my favorite D&D setting yep all it did was it took Tolkien-esque fantasy and flipped it orcs are now good guys and elves are barbarians and they eat people and all this stuff and yep. um they just take it and flip it but it's still Tolkien it's just flipped mm-hmm. but when you make your own science fiction setting Starfinder 
It's a great example. You said Starfinder, fantastic yep. example. When you get the Starfinder book, there, the entire game is based off the lore of Starfinder. Same thing with Shadowrun. Yeah. Good luck trying to make a homebrew Shadowrun game setting. It's impossible because yeah. everything re- revolves around the world, like the, the actual lore. But yeah. D&D is not like that. D&D, they give you lore. But I, I, I challenge anyone listening to this to, to tell me when they stuck directly to the lore of uh, D&D. Yeah, no. I Like, you make your own they, – they made a game – that you're supposed to homebrew. Yeah. Like they, 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 in, they, they kind of like, they, they give you the campaign books. Sure. But they, they encourage you to be your own. But, but even though, even then, like those adventures, you, you can kind of craft them into whatever yeah. you want to do. But like, you can't I, do that with other things because no. they're like, you can't do that with Starfinder. You can't do that with, with Shadowrun or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Genesis. You can, I think Genesis is the next close Genesis, uh, fate, Yep. uh savage I'm, worlds they're skeleton Gerps. systems you know they're, they're meant yeah. to be fleshed out and yeah they're they're, they're basically engines they, they're yeah. like they're like game engines and um that's why uh you know i don't think there's a big science fiction thing yet because i don't think i think that star trek and star wars are still too reliant on sure. their lore but all of the famous uh fantasy things we know are all based off of tolkien yeah so there's something Just to come back to i want and, that, and that's such an interesting point of being like you know you are so con you, you're you're not trapped that's not the right word but you are no, I, you're confined to to the world lore that is in in, in a star wars edge of edge of empire or yeah i try to break know, away from that and even that's difficult like and it's hard I, because it's like yeah. how much do you homebrew where it still feels like star wars the best thing I was able to do was I ended up doing a setting and uh, we set it at, we set it in the high empire, which is between Darth sure. Bane and Phantom Menace. Yeah. There's, there's about 500 years there. That's totally unexplored. It won't be for longer. Star Wars news. They are writing three books that are they set are in the high empire. Writing three high empire books. <laughs> so, but so for the moment there, we there, that's the only time that's unexplored. Yeah. Or after, you know, Rise of Skywalker. But when I tried to do this setting, Rise of Skywalker wasn't even out yet. It was uh, right after The Last Jedi. So sure. there was like, cause like when you play Star Wars, you expect, you expect some kind of grounding. Uh, one yeah. time we did a, we did a flashpoint uh, that my, my, my foray into Star Wars role-playing game. We did a flashpoint where uh, instead of Mace Windu was able to kill Anakin and Palpatine. Ooh. And what ended up what ended up happening was uh, he shut like the Clone Wars happened for about five more years. They, they kept going, no Palpatine, but the Separatists still want something. And uh, basically, um, the there was the Jedi Order got split into two sects. It was one was um, one was militant, the other was true Jedi. Right, Mace right. Windu came back and was like, "We're locking everything down," and pretty much it created two schools of thought for jedi and then like we that like and even then like at one point we were playing we're like this is kind of lame like <laughs> like because it was a really cool start but like there's no flashpoint series in in uh in in it's a flashpoint story yeah not a flashpoint series like you know 
what would happen if, and then you have the direct continu- continuity. Be, I mean, it'd be great ideas for like one shots or, or two or Exa- three shots, exactly. you know, where it's like, it's a series of adventures that has a definitive endpoint that's reachable within a couple sessions. But yeah, I think you're right. Taking, taking this thing that has very finite lore and very finite, you know, expectations from, from the fandom is really hard to do. And I think what you said with Tolkien and being like, Tolkien managed to create a very dense, very filling and very (laughs) beneficial world in a very accessible way. Like, and so it came to pass. (laughs) You know, and it's just like, it's no wonder that it's something that, that you know, Wizards of the Coast or Paizo Games or people still use as a reference board to like. You have to. If you don't, you're crazy. So like, yeah. And uh, that's the thing is like, now I'm going to give, so uh, if this, this might get you some hate mail. I'm going to, I'm going to stand up for George <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> oh, hey. Uh, do what you need to do. I, 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 if George Lucas, if you're hearing this podcast, I want you to know that I've got your back. But uh, <laughs> there's a story uh, from so, so this is why I think that Star Wars should be considered at the level of Lord of the Rings. Sure. For a different reason. Um, so they were writing the movie and someone asked George Lucas, is it Kashyyyk or Kashik? And George Lucas looked at this dude and was like, doesn't matter. It's uh, it can be a regional dialect. So through this like unwavering amount of like whatever, like yeah. he ended up creating personalities in the world. So like the reason that people like Star Wars is kind of it's got a lot of character. Like there's a lot of plot holes that can be filled very easily based off of just like it's a different, it's a big gal, it's a big universe. Like yeah, sure. Anything can happen in the big, big wide universe. And like the bigger the world, the bigger the scope. So like there are no tropes in Star Wars outside of Jedi and Sith. And, you know, there is sure there is the Jedi and the Sith. And uh, if you end up making a Star Wars game where that's not part of it, it ends up just becoming like us. It ends up becoming Indiana Jones in space. You got scoundrels, you got stuff like that. And that's the problem is like Star Wars. You can make a lot of really cool stories if you base it off Jedi and Sith. Sure. But if you base it off anything else, personally, I love the scoundrels and the smuggling and, and bounty hunting in Star Wars. But, uh, you know, you, you start pulling from other tropes from different medias. Right. But when you go back to when you go back to fantasy, no matter what, no matter what you end up doing, Tolkien probably covered it or his son did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's in the Silmarillion. It's like it's like the Simpsons. You know what I mean? The Simpsons right. already did that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it's it's hard. Like, I think I think space opera and science fiction is a very hard genre for there to be a D and D because sure. what you end up doing is you just make D and D in space. You know, I made a video about that on TikTok. Which is, is how which you, is hard. Yeah, I mean, you can you can do it if you, but like, it's it's so hard. Like, I've tried. Like to make a franchise that's like star Wars or so, sorry, like Lord of the Rings, but in space. Yeah. Like space fantasy is difficult because it's, it's either always compared to star Wars or star Trek. And it's one way or the other, you know what I mean? You can't try to combine them is difficult, but if, if you could do it, that would be because star Trek is ingrained enough in its lore Vulcans and all that stuff. And star Wars is expansive enough that if you were able to bond the two together, um, you'd be able to create a setting that could rival 
Middle Earth in a space setting versus a fantasy setting. I think, and I think that's an excellent point of being just like, well, that we don't have the well of of almost we don't have the well of an of an open source kind of guide on what to do and like what the world is. And I think that's what I mean for me. That's why I've stuck with D and D. You know, I can pretty much do whatever I want. You know, my uh, my home game that we've been uh, doing for a bit, a little over a year. it's going to be coming to an end here soon and and I've, I've got plans for the next one where it's going to be 30 to 40 years in in the in the future and it's going to be more of an industrial revolution like closer to closer to eberron than i had already intended it to be oh, oh yeah you know? the, the so fable the fable the fable uh the yep. fable move where it goes like 50 years in the future and like yep. you see like the change I like that. I've always you've liked got that you've got lightning stuff. rails like firearms yeah. are, are more active and, and and if my players are listening to this because I know you guys listen, please stop now. Um, so the plan for my the ending of my campaign, my big bad is Tiamat. I'm I'm not following like the Tyranny of Dragon storyline at all, but Tiamat's a great. Uh, she's great. great. Yeah, it's a great. It, she's a great use of. Uh, um, like you could flavor her any way you oh, yeah. wanted to. It's I, fantastic. I, I went deep into the into the trickery goddess idea. You know, she had been banished to Avernus, and had been there for for thousands of years. You know, the the whole the whole fantasy spiel. The devil's been locked away, and now she's escaped. Um, she has kidnapped Maestra, the mistress of magic, the goddess of magic in the the world of the forgotten realms and has managed to fuse herself with her so now she is not only tiamat goddess of tr- uh, trickery chromatic dragons she is now the embodiment of the weave okay so All right yeah and she's lied to this vast collective of spellcasters who where she's like yes i control the weave now you have all of the power you need to take over this world you don't need anything else when in actuality she is spitefully fucking the world over because when this party she knows that if she is bound she will get out the only reasonable way they have to defeat her is to kill her and if they do they kill the weave yeah making magic and and arcane prowess in the world completely unstable so if that's the way they go about it then this 30 40 year time jump magic is going to be completely fucked it's going to be a very different system i want to implement this mechanic of arcane tools where these little kind of fractuals of arcane energy are used to duplicate spells so a lot of people aren't able to create magic anymore so they have this little little capsule where they can here's a fireball or here's a you know just to just to change the world and kind of get as far away from stereotypical D&D as I can, because I think that's where stories get interesting, right? That's where being a game master and- and, where the intrigue comes from. Yeah, and like running stories for my friends becomes more interesting is when I I do the opposite of what they expect. So I have this, uh, I I saw, we're about to hit that hour and I I can keep going if you want to, but uh, I do, I do, do, so there's one point, um, I love, uh, bringing it full circle, I love villain talk. Yes. And uh, I made this video on TikTok, and it was it, w- it was a stupid, funny joke where me like the I played the party, 
and we were looking for the bad guy and we yeah. ended up opening a window and it ended up being a mirror and they're like oh he's not in here find the mirror it's been us the whole time so i have this i, I have a discord and uh for it's called the crit stop which is basically like my slowly growing uh play it's like my version of like D D. like I, it'll be a podcast one day it'll be it, one day we'll we'll get to everything but uh yeah. right now it starts with the mega star seven but um i have this point that uh on this discord i had some guy who i really like um he just gave he kind of vented to us about uh his problems with his dm and ended up he ended up he was able to entrap the bad guy even the again, so the DM was doing his exposition on this bad guy, and uh, basically it was a cut scene. Yeah. But here's the here's here's the here's the player who's able to cut right through it with 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 a properly placed gotcha. You know what I mean? A yeah, good yeah, gotcha yeah. moment, and that pissed the DM off. And so here, so this the, the reason I say this is uh, for people listening, and you're like, my players keep killing my villains. I'll tell you why. Uh, if it has a stat block, it can be killed. Yep. That's it. There, I don't care how I don't care if it's a CR 30. If it has a stat block, the players could probably kill it. Yep. If they're lucky enough, they'll kill it. So, you know what doesn't have a stat block is the players. They have care, they have players. Their characters have players. So what I do in almost every one of my games, I'm telling I'm telling on myself by doing this. If any of my friends listen to this, they're gonna be like, "Shit, we figured him out." You bastard! This, <laughs> this gotcha. is this, this is my greatest tip that I have never posted about on TikTok, and I want to put it here. I want to put it. I wanted to put it here. You're a good man. You're a good man, Skyler. Okay, so <laughs> if you want to make the players struggle without pissing them off and throwing horrible things at them. Instead of making these crazy uh, game-breaking uh, characters that can like just no no rules, make smaller characters that don't matter if they live or die. Yeah. These characters, these NPCs, will influence the player's choices, whether it be good or bad. And one day, they'll make through all of these choices and dead dead bad guys and good you know dead bad guys, dead good guys, people they've spared, people they've killed all of these choices that have changed their characters and they come to the final end of the game and they realize that the, the bad guys were them all along and yeah. you give them the final choice to fight each other for power or whatever. But the point is the real big bad guy that you're, that you can put in your games is your characters because yeah. they're the ones that can't be killed as easily as somebody like, they're not going to, you can't kill your players. You can kill their characters, but you can't kill them. And you shouldn't, right. that's murder. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, if, it, if it's a real bad table, you know what? Think yeah. about it for legal purposes. That was a joke. <laughs> Please. So don't do that. just remember that like, and you know, you not everyone likes that trope where it's like, you know, it, I call that the, uh, I've, I have a lot of personal things, anchor points. I have, yeah. uh, the, the Wachowski problem, uh, all these things, all these, all these like rules that I've made for myself. Yeah. But the one is, uh, oh, they, it was, it you were the bad guy all along. Yeah. You don't have to do that. But remember that the one thing that can't be killed is the player. Their characters can, but they can't be, and they will be influenced by your game. Yeah. No matter how, no matter if they've gone through ten characters in four years, 
they are changing. They have learned this world. They have and give them the power and the ability because the real problem that they have to go through is choices. Yeah. That's the real bad guy is choices. I've I that is a really incredible sentiment that I I I have enacted in myself. And I think one episode last season I talked about uh an interaction between my party and Asmodeus. They were looking for information and Asmodeus had had become he had materialized on uh on Aosha, the the material plane of this world. Sure. And they're like, hey, um, can you not, dude? Like, this is like this is not chill. Can you please fuck off? And he was like, I don't necessarily need to be up here. Obviously, in the background, he's working with other deities and other beings, and he's got his own shit going on. But he's like, All right, I'll make you guys a deal. Because obviously he's the devil. I will oh, fuck, devils. <laughs> I will fuck off. I will go back to the nine hells, do my thing, and protect your realm from the, the forces of the abyss. I will make sure that that wall does not break if you give me half of the city's population right now. And oh, the trolley. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like, <laughs> what? And they're like, oh, wait, this city is full of people we hate. Fuck it. Do it. Take them. And I'm like, okay. So Asmodeus is just kind of chilled back on his on his villain uh, chair made of molten rock and whatever in this giant cavern leading to the you know the nine hells. But he he goes and does the Thanos snap, and and it's not quick. It's not it's not without suffering. But like I, I describe it as you guys hear just like dissonant screams from the surrounding areas, and it goes on for an uncomfortable amount of time. You see people alive on the battlefield that you just cleaned up being dragged into the nine hells by by bone devils by chain devils whatever it may be and and i think that moment where they're just like oh we made the choice and and npcs that they had made friends with suffered because of that choice yep and and you know it's this there's being morally ambiguous and there's understanding the impact of your actions and i think as a dm it's our responsibility as a dungeon master it's our responsibility to to enact those consequences and to show that like you can you can be a murder murder hobo you can be like a morally gray chaotic neutral character that shit's gonna come back to you you know and like this this whole tiamat's whole plan she hopes she's gonna win and if she does great if not she's made herself a martyr and she has made the party villains they have killed magic they have change the world in ways that that nobody is going to know how to fix and who are they going to see as the true villain her or them that's exactly right like that like you know people always do this thing where it's i make this really big evil character i give him any i don't care how how, i don't care how nuanced or in-depth this character this villain is at the end of the day the only real villains are the potential choices of the players yep because you know, and that's that's something you see in real life. You know what I mean? Like, there's choi- yeah. there's been choices made for thousands of years since the beginning of time that is that has changed the course of reality. 100%. And you know, we look at. I'm not gonna make any example except that being bad taste. But um, sure, sure. Um, you know, you just think think right now about one bad thing that someone's done in real life. 
Yeah. And what, and what, what kind of world that, how that, how that veered a world from one way or the other. hundred percent. And um, it's something that you see in every game is uh, it's basically the TLDR is the only unkillable person in the game are the players because yeah. they're not there. And the deeper they're ingrained into the world, the harder the choices are going to become. Yep. And the point you want to do is make sure that they have to really think about it. And people, and there's another, like, finally, uh, the one thing that I've noticed that will change that is, I made a video about this one. It's called the slow burn. Yeah. And it's uh, taking your time is taking your time to get the players sucked in yeah. because you can't just go through 10 sessions and expect them to be like, I care about this city. They yeah. don't no matter. And you know, well, your player, your character would, and you're like, but you, if you just put the effort into making them care, that'll make the choice harder because the, the like I said, the villain, the real villain is the choice. Yep. And, and, and that, that also comes from another, like a preconceived notion that I had about being a dungeon master while, you know, in, in the height of this D and D Renaissance is like, I'm supposed to flesh out every little thing. I'm supposed to know where they're going. I'm supposed to understand. I'm supposed to get them from point A to point B and nothing else. I just, you know, in this last campaign and, and a little bit in the campaign before it, I've given my players the ability to live in the world, to to not follow the beaten path. If That's they the so way. choose, this is yep. the way. This is the way, you know, and, and being like, yep. okay, you guys want to go fuck off and have a beach episode? Cool, cool. I don't care. You know, you guys, you know that that the the big bad is out there. Or you know your story hook is there. You'll get back to it. Live in the world. And that's what makes them care. That's what makes me care more as a DM too. That, that that's something that I call reactivity. And it's um, you know, there everyone tries to plan for everything. Yeah. And it's like you can't. What you can do is learn your players and um take their actions and be rea reactive to them. For like, sure. just be like, well, I know that uh, Tim does this thing that every time this happens, like one time I was, I was told a player I was gonna be, I was gonna be DMing for, he always goes for the power. So if you want again to do something, just dangle power in front of him. Tangle that power. And that will do it. And I learned that. And I always knew that when I needed him to do something, I didn't have to sit and be like, Hey dude, could you do this for me? No, it's just, if you do this, I'll give you this special sword mm -hmm. here. He knows the sword is cursed and actually holds a, the soul of some ancient evil. That's going to eventually stab the kid, the, the kind King in the heart. And yeah. this guy's going to be turned into a murderer, even though he didn't do it. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like you want to, you want to hide the big stuff and that like, you know, you, this is a big anime thing is when oh, you right. watch, uh, what seems to be a filler episode and out of nowhere you get hit with some real character development you yep. want to surprise them with like so the beach episode is just them having a good time and then something bad happens that just totally draws them in mm -hmm. because they're heroes you know so like they're having a good time and you just gotta like read the room be well, like yeah even like like uh have you are you have you seen Avatar: The Last Airbender? Of course, I have. <laughs> the episode where where Zuko is with, you know, Azula, May, and Tylee, literally on the beach, and he has that moment of like, "Am I doing the right thing? I'm mad, oh, yeah. but what what am I mad at?" You know, it's this episode that is like literally nothing, 
for the whole like first second thirds and and then it's just like oh shit is zuko gonna is he gonna gonna flop like and then it hits you so yeah you know you're totally right yeah like it's the idea is that like yeah i go i go back to like the thing that like i've always tried to take one of my videos and be like which one really describes my dm style and it's the anchor point because a b c d all the way up to z Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how many anchor points you have it's just they have to be important and yeah. a does a doesn't a and b can be right after each other and c could be 10 sessions later it doesn't matter as long as each one is a whoa moment you know what yeah. i mean like that turns the story because like and it can be whenever you want you just have to find the appropriate time and i know a lot of young dms i'm young i'm only, th- I'm only doing this for three years you want to just get it out of you you want to be like i want to yeah. do this and you're like i'm telling you if you want, if you want to have the Matt Mercer effect, if you want to be like Matt Mercer, who has a plethora of experience, yeah, I'll tell you right now, he's able to get people engaged, and it's a podcast. You know what I mean? So like every player at that table is a already a friend, b a voice actor, and c they know they're doing a podcast. Yeah, you know, and people listen to a podcast and be like, "Well, my players are serious." I'm like, "They're not podcast serious because podcast means money." So, yeah. like, you ha- you have that mentality when you watch a podcast or listen to a podcast, and everyone's super into it. It's because they their job it's it's their job to be into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, how many times at work do you get serious because you're at work and you're making money off it? Right. Your players aren't. You're pl- you brought your players to your table to to you know play so they're not making money are you paying them you know what i mean you know what i mean like so you know you gotta remember that like the woe moment won't be a woe if it's every single time right you know it takes time yeah that slow burn is such a it all comes down to trusting your players and as players trusting your dm being able exactly. to to craft their their backgrounds and their experiences as characters into those well moments and it could be like i mean critical role is a perfect example i mean the trust that that those players have in their dungeon master is is what makes it what it is for the most part you know yeah minus the being voice actors or all being friends the trust in the game because matt can can play something in episode 18 it won't come to fruition until episode 60 you know, and then it's just like, oh shit, okay, it's been there the whole time. And it shows that like the world's important, the setting that they're building together is important. I think and that is one thing from Critical Role that people need to take into their own games. The disclaimer in that is uh, you know, Matt Merce is a really good storyteller. Yeah. Do not slip some information into your game that's gonna be super important at one point and expect them to remember. Cause I had a character, 100%. I made to make a choice. There was a tabaxi in uh in uh we called it fantasy alaska and uh (laughs) basically this tabaxi uh had a son who was cursed a like uh, we we based them all off cryptids uh they were they were it was a weird western setting uh where they they hunted monsters so every time i would look for a cryptid in a in in a because it was all it was it was fantasy america it was fantasy it wasn't like there wasn't it wasn't actually new orleans but everyone had a like a western accent and it was like the big easy but like they went yeah. up to alaska and um 
the uh, big Alaskan cryptid is the uh, the white the uh, white tiger, which is you know every time it kills someone it has black it has a black stripe on its back. Oh, that's and cool. a tabaxi was helping them. Uh, well, it was a tabaxi. It was a, it was a, it was a group of tabaxis, uh, and um, the son became like this like the son of the chief was the white tiger. Uh, he was supposed to be dead, and uh, the mother, uh, the you know the chief's wife, went out into the wilderness. And uh, to protect her son, she yeah. feeds her son so he doesn't go out and killing. But then he killed some people, and uh, the players had to uh, make a choice. They could have just left, but they didn't. They killed her son, yeah, spared her, and then she was hunting them. But that was about six sessions later that she came back to hunt them, and they did not remember who she was. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. like. That's that's a really you know nuanced and deep level of storytelling. Yeah. But I didn't execute it the way that I wanted to, and I got sure. upset. This is like this is like almost two years ago, but uh, I was upset with them. But I was like, it's my fault. Like yeah. I, I I didn't I didn't have her sneak in, have a quick encounter that she disappeared from. You know what I mean? Right. So, and, and and that yeah, there are a lot of a lot of issues that that's something that I can empathize with too, is being like. Oh, like why didn't they do this when it's more of a shortcoming of me as a as a you know exactly fledgling. is it you yeah. you know what I mean yeah 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 no definitely well you know what I really appreciate you jumping on and having this conversation oh, with I me. had a lot of fun man this thank you for having buddy. me now this is your shameless plug time tell the people where you're uh, at yes tell hey, the people guys. what you're doing let them know uh, my name my name is Skyler Giordano you can look me up I am a real person um. I am a musician. I am in the band Persona Gray. Uh, we have no new music on the horizon right now. Well, we do, but I'm not sure when, when Spotify is going to release it. You can look us up, listen to that. I have uh, another project, another band called It Look Like Fire. That's an indie project. We have a new single coming out uh, in about two weeks, so that's probably before this will get released, but it should be available to you. It Look Like Fire. I have another band called Dagger Tongue, which – I, yeah dagger tongue is music that is based off of omega star seven uh, nice it's uh it's it's a space rock project it's a mixture of like i look at it like it's muse and mastodon oh, a little cool. bit of both those things it's that's a little cool. bit of like uh shoot like a little bit of shoegaze and stuff like that that's my musical projects you can catch me on twitch i used to be a pretty avid streamer but i've kind of gone back to keeping on my podcast editing so it's been a little bit in and out but i do a retro gaming and rpgs on twitch uh, at me myself and sky you can follow my tiktok me myself and sky for as long as we for as long as tiktok will be up tiktok will be up for as long as it's there yeah you can follow the crit stop on facebook twitter and and instagram where we will be posting all the omega star 7 content which will be available to you coming september bi-weekly uh on all streaming platforms other than that that's pretty much everything i got going on for me awesome yeah you guys can find all of those links in the description of this episode Thanks for joining me, and I, I hope to have you back sometime soon. Oh, me too, man. Big thank you to Skylar for being on the show and having this conversation with me. You can find the links to Omega Star 7 and Skylar's other projects in the description of this episode. My biggest takeaway from this conversation is to embrace the challenge of learning a new system and building a world that fits that setting. It's hard to be completely original when people like Tolkien and George Lucas have created such vast worlds that most stories in either genre take notes from Lord of the Rings or Star Wars, respectively. Take things you like and craft them into your needs and wants for a game. Please make sure to leave a review. It really helps out the show and lets us know what you think. Thank you for listening to this episode of Commune, and we'll see you guys in the next adventure.